Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. It is so good to see you this morning as you're loving on each other, and uh, we're good to. It's glad to. We're glad to be home this morning. We uh, went to Wichita Falls and preached for our sister church in Wichita Falls on Sunday. Seventeen people gave their heart and life to the Lord on Sunday morning at Wichita Falls, and that's the day we're longing for here to see people surrender their heart and life to Jesus. Um, I don't normally do this, but I want to do this real quick this morning. Um, just, this is important, I, I think. Uh, some of you were not here Wednesday, and I think it's important for us to hear this and see this. Um, in about three weeks, we will be 11 years old as a church. Uh, a lot has changed in 11 years. Locations, times, people, uh, weight, hairlines, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. I ain't talking about y'all, I'm talking about me. But two things have never changed, and I want you to hear me this morning. Two things have not changed and will not change. The first is this. We are committed, totally committed, to encountering God together. Uh, that's why our services, although we have an order for our services, we will always allow the Holy Spirit to take over. If we need to stick in a place, we'll stick in a place. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. This wasn't on the agenda necessarily. But, but we are committed to encountering God I am still as convinced today as I was 11 years ago when we started that you can have as much of God as you want here. You can encounter as much of God as you want here. The only limit to how much you encounter God when we gather like this is you. It's not the guy with the microphone. It's not the worship team. It's you. Because we each determine how much of God we get. That's on you. Can't blame it on nobody else. Can't blame it on nobody else. If you don't encounter God, that's your issue. The second thing that we have always been committed to and will continue to be in, uh, committed to is this, engaging our culture. Because I am not satisfied with us coming in here and having Holy Ghost services with goosebumps, but nobody on the outside knowing it or experiencing, or experiencing it or having in, any impact on them. Listen, I, I, I'm telling you right now, this is not part of my message, okay? So y'all, this is for free. Uh, listen, 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 if you want to be a part of a church where you can just come and hide out and get your spiritual fix and then go home and not engage culture with that, then I give you permission to find a different church because this is not that church. I am more um, committed than I, I guess, I mean, I, I, I feel like I've always been committed to it, but I just sense it in my own spirit. I'm more committed to make you uncomfortable about being comfortable and apathetic to the fact that people are going straight to hell. We have to start, we have to do something about that. We, and so there are means and methods and ways, and we're, we've been committed to trying them all. We're still trying them all. We will continue to do those kind of things. Why do we do what we did Wednesday night and invest the amount of money that that kind of event takes, takes is because we are committed to at least opening the door for you to have an encounter with somebody so you can share the love of Jesus. How many of you know that people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? So you can tell them about Jesus all you want to, but if they can't pay their bills and they can't give their kids paper to go to school and they don't know where the shoes are going to come from and where the clothes are going to come from, that's an issue. And you can stand up and tell them about Jesus all you want. What they want to know is how can you help me get my kids to school. So on Wednesday, we, uh, we did the block party and, uh, it was the biggest outreach we have ever done. Bar none. Bar none. I'm going to show you some videos, a video here in just a second, just so that you get an, an idea of what happened on Wednesday. It was unbelievable. I don't even think we were ready for it. I think it will continue to be like that from now on. Uh, it, over 1400 people showed up on our property for help. You say, well, all right, it's my birthday, so I'm going to take a little extra time than I normally do. Some of you will, will, would snicker and say, well, some of them are just gaming the system. I got it. I get it. You're right. Some of them pull up in BMWs, get out, smoke $19 worth of cigarettes, and then come and get $7 worth of school supplies. We're going to game in the system. Next week, they'll be at another one, and they'll get more supplies for free because they buy what they want and beg for what they need. 
I get that. But before you just throw them all in and throw the baby out with the bathwater, may I read this to you? This is what happened. Two, two testimonies uh, from, from Wednesday. Uh, Madeline, I just wanted to share with y'all something cool from yesterday's block party. There was a mom sitting alone that I felt drawn to, so I asked her if there's anything I could get for her or help her with. She looked at me for a few seconds and said, you could pray for me. She proceeded with tears streaming down her face, saying that she had lost her job on Friday and that her husband is an alcoholic. And she came and brought her little five-year-old boy to our block party because her husband was drunk and they needed to get out of the house. Our crazy block party yesterday was a safe place and a refuge for her and her son. And I can't help but to think that this was the case for quite a few others' families, uh, quite a few other families too. Then we got a second one. Another mom in a very in a very long line yesterday just left court and hasn't had her son for 11 years. She has been working hard to get him back and she's been drug free for over 5 years now. She left court with full custody of her son. He had been in foster care since he was a baby. She is scared to death that she can't financially provide for him, but is willing to do whatever it takes to do it. I told her about our pantry and our church, and, she, and even though she's scared to death, um, and I'm sure her son is too, they got backpacks with supplies and they left, and she said she was oh so, over, so overwhelmed and needed to leave, but she was thank, thankful that we had done this. Amen. That's what this is about. We are committed to that. So I'm going to show you a video of what took place on Wednesday, but, but I want you to understand what we're trying to do. Uh, at the end of September, we are going to do Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. I, uh, Danny will announce it and show you a little video. Can I, man, I didn't plan on doing any of this. It's my birthday. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> I hate stuff like that. Just honestly. I don't like dramas. Never have. Can't stand it. I was national youth director, and part of my responsibilities was to oversee the national fine arts stuff. I hated it. <laughs> hated it. And it's not anybody's fault except for the fault of the fact that the church I used to work at used to do these big dinner theaters, dramas. And by the end, when they would do the, finally finish the presentation, they hated one another. Because they would get in fights, and because people that don't fish fight. Um, and they weren't really fishing because it was not evangelistic in the least. It was just a fundraiser. And so I, I came out of Greenville and I took, I told, same way with cantatas, because we did cantatas, we did all the cantatas. Had nothing to do with getting anybody saved. It was just so we could show off our voices and pray, sing about Christmas. So when we left Greenville, I looked at Julie and said, never again. No dramas, no cantatas, no nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> so I hate that kind of stuff. But when you look at me and tell, and tell me that, like for instance, Wichita Falls last year saw 138 people get saved, then I'm in. Even if I don't like it. Even if it comes off cheesy and it's the goofiest thing in the world. As long as people give their heart and life to Jesus, I'm in. We say it was going to cost $4,600 to do it that you weren't planning on spending. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll go in the hole if we have to. We went in the hole on the block parties. We go in the hole on the pantries most of the time. We go in the, all that stuff costs us money. I don't care. You say, why? Because it's worth it if one person gets saved. But we're trying to maximize what we're doing and see hundreds. I am expecting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to get saved. That's what I'm believing for. I need your help. We got to pray. We got to work. We got to do all that. But we are committed to seeing people's lives change. Would you roll that video and let's see what it looked like on Wednesday. It was nuts. Y'all pray. Is it going to work, Teresa? Wait. 
Yes? No? All right, I want you all to stand up. We're going to go line up around the building because that's what it was like. All right, turn the lights back on. Tell. Um, there were literally, for over an hour and a half, well, first of all, people started lining up at 4 o'clock for a 6 o'clock event. And the line extended from here at the, the end of this building all the way around to this side. And it stayed that way until 8 o'clock. Haircuts were given until 10.30 at night. It was supposed to end at 9. It was ridiculous. We'll, Teresa, if we can get it at the end, we'll show it at the end, okay? Hopefully, we'll get it back. All right, so I'm just encouraging you. It's got, we've got to keep going on. All right, so get your Bibles out. No, bumper, no sermon bumper, so we gotta, we'll just go right on with it. We don't need the tech. We'll make it happen, all right? Get your Bible out and turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and let me start out by saying this as we begin this new series this morning. Everything leads up to this. All the long hours, the early hours, the late hours, the exertion, the exhaustion, the sweat, the soreness, the taxing things that we do. It's called practice. Now, I know Alan Iverson didn't like any practice, but, but practice, uh, whether you like it or not, is an essential thing that you do. Athletes, young and old, they put themselves through some of the craziest routines and disciplines to get their bodies ready. I don't know if y'all have ever seen any of the crazy workouts some of these folks are doing now. There are some crazy workouts they're doing. Trying to get stronger, trying to get faster, trying to get their 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 skill honed and their ability just fine-tuned so that they can compete. And, and it's practice and they, they do it every day, over and over, and, uh, drills and and. All this crazy stuff they're doing. And they do it for one purpose and one purpose only. Game day. That's the only thing that makes all the practice and all the crazy stuff and, and, and doing all these, this nutso stuff. That's the only thing that makes it worth it is, is the game day. It's not practice. Nobody really like. Come on, if somebody tells you they like to practice, uh, they're lying, I think. Because really what it's about is it's about game day. It's about walking into an incredibly packed stadium and feeling the adrenaline rush and feeling the overwhelming sensation of this crowd that's rooting for you. It's all about game day. That's what it's about. It's about game day. It's game day that makes all they do worth it. It's game day that allows the athlete the opportunity to discover whether or not they're really prepared or not. Because you really don't know until you get into game day. You think you know when you're in practice, but you don't really know whether you're really ready for game day until you get to game day and they blow the whistle and sound the buzzer and you start the game. That's when you know whether you're really ready or not. It's game day that shows and reveals the holes in your game that you need to work on, that you need to prepare. It is game day that makes the pains of practice disappear. It's game day. Now, the problem (laughs) that we have is this. In our society, most of us have become so unwilling to practice And to put ourselves through the disciplines necessary. That since we don't practice, there's this truth you need to understand. If you don't practice, you don't get in the game. Uh, That went over huge. All right, so. uh, But but we don't like practice. And so what happens is we, 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 what we've done is we want to skip all the hard work, but still be an expert. Okay, it's going to get tied up in here. So, uh, we, we, we don't want to go, we don't want to get the 4 a.m. call that gets us up to run the extra mileage that we need to, to do to get the base. We don't, we don't want to do the extra setups. We don't want to do the, the push-ups. We don't, want, we don't want to do none of that. But now, we, we, but what we think we are is we think we're experts from the stands. Haven't you ever uh, met anybody that has never taken a snap They've never thrown a pass. 
They, they've, they've never studied a playbook in their life, but they can sit in the recliner and they shout at the TV instructions to this coach that has given his entire life to this practice of making a team better and at these fine-tuned athletes. And we know what play ought to be called and why do you keep running it up the middle and why did you run that pass and you're an idiot and you're a bum. What's your, can't you catch the ball when there's 19 guys stretched all over you? What's, what's wrong with you? And we become... But doesn't that extend beyond just sports? Haven't you ever met somebody that has never balanced a budget? Never made a major decision about hiring or firing? Never had everybody else's uh, livelihood wrapped up in the decisions that this one individual has to make? Never set any policies? Never hired or fired? Yet around the water cooler, they are the expert. They know exactly, boy, if I was running this business, if I was running this show, if I was running this church. Uh, what that's done is this. It has led us to a proverbial we. All right, so, so we go to sports, like we'll go to the Thunder, and these guys that have spent hours in the gym, hours, like while you're asleep, they're in the gym. I know you think they're rich. I get it. I... They, Listen, come on now. <laughs> I get it, but listen, they're making the money because they spent hours while you were sleeping, while you were taking it easy. They were up making layups and jump shots and free throws. And we have turned into this proverbial we society. So now we'll go watch them play in the stands and we never step foot on the court and we never make a basket and we never get fouled. But if they win, we'll walk out of the arena going, well, we won that one. <laughs> yes, we did. All strutting and proud. And then if they didn't do just quite like we thought they should, and they just kind of had a bad day, and somebody shot the ball when they should have passed it over and over again, then we go, then we go, we lost. The proverbial we. The truth is, we didn't do anything. The, the reality is, it's the people on the field. It's the people in the driver's seat. It's the people at the, in the big chair making the hard decisions that win or lose, that triumphed, that came up short in the stands, but we're convinced that we're in the game. I've learned some things about being in the stands. I know y'all don't believe it now, but... I used to be uh, somewhat of an athlete. Uh, now, I, listen, Daniel, I wasn't in your, like, your realm of athlete, all right? Andrew's brother's here, and he's, he just graduated from Virginia, played D1 football. I wasn't that kind of athlete. I was just a good all-around athlete, all right? Uh, I played baseball. I wrestled. I ran cross-country. I played golf. Uh, that is a sport, by the way. I uh, <laughs> played a little football. Uh, and then I had my own sons. And now, I find myself in the stands. I've learned some things about being in the stands. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy, we're coming, because I'm coming for you right now. Because Julie doesn't like to sit by me in the stands. Y'all think I'm joking, but I'm telling you the truth. I've discovered, through truth, this is not my message, this is for free too. I've discovered that I do better at basketball games if I'm at the scores table. Because then I can't say nothing. Y'all think I'm joking. Uh, I'm better at baseball games if I'm in the press box. Y'all think I, some of y'all that have come to baseball games know that I'm the MC in the press box. There's a reason for that. It's because the windows are shut and the ump can't hear me. Y'all think I'm playing, but she knows. She knows. She knows. I'm like, y'all don't, some of y'all don't even know. I am so stinking competitive. Like, it is like... It, it's dangerous how competitive I am. And my boys bear the brunt of that. That's another reason I stand in the press box. And Okay, but I've learned some things in the stands. I've learned that in the stands, you can criticize or critique. Have you ever noticed that the players that are with their teammates every day in the gym or in their in the weight room with with their, their their teammates working out? Have you ever noticed? Have you ever seen one of these interviews where somebody asks 
about their teammates and kind of disparages them a little bit and talks bad about them and their teammate comes to the rescue and they get angry. Yeah, uh, like, you know family can talk about family, but if you talk about my cousin, my sixth cousin on my grandmother uncle's side, uh, six generations removed, I'm probably going to cut you, right? Because family can talk about family, but if you're not a part of the family, then you don't have the right to criticize, correct? You got it? That's, that's true on teams as well. That's, that's why teammates jump into the, the, to the fray and they, uh, they, I've, I've watched them, they almost come to, it's like they get angry. Because they've watched their teammate struggle and they've watched their teammate work and they've seen all the effort and they've seen all the energy and they've seen the game plan that they've set in offices and on the fields and talked through. And now you want to come along as an expert reporter that's probably never played a game in your life and you want to ask questions like you know something and they get mad. I've discovered that uh, it's easy to snicker from the stands. I've also recognized, especially in the la- over the last 10 years, I've seen this uh, in unbelievable form and, and seen it time and again, that, that it, is, it has become accepted to make judgments from the cheap seats. We, we can be cruel from the crowd. The, the distance from the stands to the field causes us to feel safe in our critique. From the safety of our seats, we feel entitled. We feel enlightened somehow because we're in the seats to express our opinions and make judgments. That's true of sports. That's true of work. That's true of church. That's with no knowledge of facts, we criticize because we can. That's why one of the... Uh, one of the um, reoccurring themes for me over the last 11 years has been this. I didn't even plan on saying this either, but I'm going to say it right now. Don't come talk to me bad about Life Church. Don't do it. I don't have time for you. We're not going to do that. I haven't heard in a long time, and I'm thankful. We won't do that at this church. Are they different than us? Yes. Do they have a stated purpose and goal? Yes. I've heard Craig Rochelle himself tell us, tell me in a session I was in, he, he said, we know what we're good at. We're good for three years. We get people saved, then we expect the rest of you to take over and di- disciple them. Don't talk. I don't have the right to criticize just because I'm up in the stands watching. The second thing I've, I've recognized in the stands is this. You can root with no risk. We want, listen, I don't know about you, but when it comes to sports, I want my team to give every ounce of energy. I don't want them to leave anything in reserve. I want them to give it all. I want them to hold nothing back. I don't want them to coast. I don't want them to just throw the towel in. I I demand every ounce of effort from them. And I want them in the weight room. I want them in shape while I hold my sugar water and my popcorn. I, I, I want them to, I want them to watch their diet. I, I, I want them, I want them to develop. I don't want them to take a day off. But I've learned this. Those who root have no requirements. We can root, but that doesn't mean we're taking any risks. We just walk in on game day and we forget about the game until the next game. There's no risk in that. Uh, we, we don't have to prepare. We don't have to focus. We don't have to plan. We just want the game to be good when we get there. I want my team to be good when I get there. I want my worship team to sing on key when I get there, I'm not going to think about it Monday through Friday or front Monday through Saturday. But on Sunday when I get here, my worship team at my church better be on key. It's been a privilege to I have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make I a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. But I don't risk anything. I knew it was going to go over this morning, so... Again next week. I don't know. I, uh, I don't want to make any personal investment. I don't want any effort. 
I just want it to be right when I get there. And when it's not right, because I'm just rooting with no risk, then I go back to point number one, which is I can criticize because it's safe from the stands. I didn't have nothing to do with it. As long as you get me a service on the right time, at the right temperature, with the right spirit, then I'm good. And you did your job. And I won't think about it for another six days, but then I'm going to roll back in. And then if it's not right, me and you are going to have a talk. All that to say this. I've also learned from the stands that in the stands, you don't really win. The stands are safe and the stands are easy. But the stands are also optional. You can be late for the game. You can leave early. But it's optional. You're just in the stands. Okay. In the stands, we might experience excitement, but you never experience a win. I, I just need to, I, I need to break this to you um, this morning. Um, I don't care who your favorite sports team is, and I'm really struggling to preach this morning because some of y'all are wearing some Texas stuff. But, <laughs> and y'all certainly don't know what it feels like to win. So let me just, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I had, I, sucker punch. I knew it was coming. All right. So uh, I actually like Dallas, though. But anyway, uh, that's a different story. Okay. So, so I, I just need to break it to you. Whoever your team is, you're never going to get the trophy. You ain't never getting a ring. Not unless you go to the pawn shop and find one. You ain't never getting a ring. They're never going to throw a parade for you. You're never going to get the invitation to the White House because they won the championship. I know they're your team and we won. But you didn't win. You didn't win. To win, you got to get in. Did you hear what I just said? To win, you got to get in. You've got to get in. See, fear keeps a lot of us from getting in the game because we're afraid of the criticism or the risk. And most of us um, have had situations in the past where we've been hurt or we've experienced failure. And so we, we, we're, uh, we have this aversion to the risk necessary to get in. So we stay in the stands. And in the stands, we've never really experienced a win. We've even done this to church. I am concerned because what I see happening is, and it's not just our church, it's every church. We have turned church into a spectator sport. So it works like this. I show up, I pay a small cover fee. And then I come into a a, a comfortable environment. You take care of my kids. That's part of what I get for the fee that I just paid. You come in, I come in and I need you to sing to me. I'm not going to sing, y'all sing. And y'all worship I'm just going to watch. And y'all preach, just make it short and sweet and don't step on my toes. And, and, and be nice to me when I get here. And then I'm going to leave. And if somebody else happens to share a testimony of their life being changed, radically changed, we go, we won. And we watch somebody else get a blessing and they experience encounter God. And it's like they're in the very presence of God while they're worshiping. And we go, we won. And the entire time, your life hasn't been transformed. And your sickness hasn't been healed. And your family hasn't been restored. But we go, we won. And the truth is, we didn't win nothing. They may have won. But we didn't win. Listen, I just came to tell you this morning that the fruit of winning comes from the seed that is planted behind the scenes. To win it, you got to get in it. I, I discovered, some of you are freaking because I haven't read any scripture and I usually start off with scripture, so I'm going to get there. Because what I've discovered is I begin to think back over Jesus' experience and encounters on earth. I discovered that Jesus, Jesus had this tendency to not let people stay in the stands. When he would walk and talk, He pulled people out of the stands constantly. 
over and over uh, with statements like this. Take up your cross. He made them make a decision. Follow, leave your nets and follow me. He's calling them out of the stands. He, he said things like, uh, uh, let the, bed, the, the dead bury the dead. He's calling them out. He's forcing them. To come out of the stands. Probably, and this is why I told you to turn to Luke chapter 19. Probably the most significant um, encounter that I could find uh, as I thought over this for the last couple months is the the account of Luke chapter 19. Uh, This is one we sing about. If you grew up in church like I did, you sung about this one. We we probably ought to stop and sing the song together right now. And you'll know where I'm going here in a minute. But in Luke chapter 9, it talks about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man. Was he? Yeah, okay, I'm in the right place. All right, Luke chapter 19, listen to what it says. It says, as Jesus was passing through Jericho, a man named Zacchaeus, one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business, and of course, a very rich man, tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowds. Maybe we want to stop seeing that old great song, short people got no reason. That was my theme song. No reason to live. So he ran ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree beside the road to watch from there. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, for I'm going to be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus hurriedly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Sir, from now on I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I have overcharged anyone on his taxes, I will penalize my, I will throw the flag on myself by giving him back four times as much. And Jesus told him, This shows that salvation has come to this home today. This man was one of the lost sons of Abraham, and I, the Messiah, I, the Messiah have come to search for those and to have such souls, to save such souls as his. I started thinking about this account, and I learned the song when I was a little kid. But I, I read it again, and I recognized this. Zacchaeus had no intention of getting in the game. None. All he wanted to do was see Jesus. He just wanted to get up in the stands and feel the excitement and the swell of the crowd, the adrenaline rush of seeing this superstar walk by, but he didn't really have any intention of ever getting into the game. In fact, I would submit to you this morning, please catch this statement I'm making right here because this is church in 2018 in a nutshell. I believe that really all that Zacchaeus wanted to do was gain perspective. He had no intention of gaining participation. I just want to come and just watch. I just want to. I just want to rub shoulders with somebody that's getting their praise on. I just want to. I just want to be next to somebody that's getting a little bit of Holy Ghost excitement in them, and maybe some of it will rub off. I don't really want to participate I, because they're crazy anyway, and I ain't about to dance, and I'm not going to jump, I'm not going to shout, I'm not going to sing. I'm not. I just want to stand here and watch. I just. I just want to watch. I just want to get some perspective. I don't want to participate. I just want to get a good seat. And watch. I want to experience the overflow. I, I, I don't want any personal involvement. I want no investment. But I'm just going to watch. And Jesus found a man in the stands. And he asked him to get in the game. I want you to notice what happens when Jesus looks at Zach. And says, hey Zach, get out the tree. And I'm coming to your house today. He was safe. Listen. He was safe in the tree. He was safe in the stands. Nobody badmouthed Zach while he was in the tree. But as soon as he climbed down and got in the game, the Bible says that the crowd, the folks in the stands, got angry because it's safe to critique from the stands. 
And they begin to badmouth him. Well, Jesus is going to the home of a notorious sinner. Don't you know Jesus who you're dealing with? And isn't that what happens now? If we Don't we walk out and go, man, if you knew where so-and-so was on Friday night, you wouldn't have allowed them up here to do nothing. You wouldn't let them work as a greeter. Don't you know they were greeting on Friday night at the club? And, and now they're in the game and I'm going to critique them because it's safe for me to critique them from the stands. I don't know the fact that they've been in a restoration process for nine months. And you don't know the fact that we took a microphone away from them because they weren't living like they should be living. You don't know that they've been in counseling. You don't know how far Jesus brought them. And all of a sudden, I'm, it's safe up here to, to criticize. Zacchaeus was safe. Until he got in the same. Listen, I just, I just wanted to tell you because the whole th- thrust and, and what we're drilling down this month is, is you got to get in. You got to get in the game. Some of y'all have sit and soaked and soured. You've been coming to church all your little life and you have made no investment. You've never gotten involved. You've never taken any risk. And I'm encouraging you to get in the game. Get in the game. All right. But I just need to warn you. If you're going to get in the game, you've got to develop thick skin. I also noticed something that I'd never seen in this account too. Well, and that is this, that um, when, when Zacchaeus comes out of the tree and he goes to his house and Jesus is in his house, he didn't care what the people said. Never saw that before. It, it, like he didn't have to go on Dr. Phil's show and say, they talk bad about me, Dr. Phil. What am I going to do? My life is over. They don't like me. They made fun of me. He never did that. I, and I think it's because he was so focused on the fact that Jesus called him by name. That, that now, I'm so focused on that that I... Listen, you will know if you are serving and that you're in the, really in the game for the right reasons when what everybody else says no longer matters. Man, that's good. You know, that's how I check when my attitude is right about this church. Because I'm just straight up with you. There are sometimes my attitude is not right about this church. And it bothers me when people badmouth this church because they're talking about y'all. I've given my lifeblood for this church. It bothers me. I'm like, I'm like Russell Westbrook defending PG3 when it comes to you talking about this church because this, this is my baby. We've, we've given, so have y'all. I don't like it when people talk about our church. Not in a bad way. And I know y'all think I'm all holy and stuff. But I'll come off the top rope with an atomic elbow on somebody. <laughs> Y'all just don't know. But that's how I know whether I'm, I'm, if my attitude is right. Because if my focus is on the fact that Jesus called us and He planted us here and He's given us a commission to encounter His Father and to engage our community, then in, the, in those moments, my attitude readjusts and I, I begin to realize, listen, what they say don't matter. They don't know. They don't really know. They weren't in the strategy session. They weren't in. They haven't read the playbook. They haven't been at practice. They only show up on game day and they experience the overflow. They didn't get in here and make sure the air conditioner was working right. They didn't straighten the seats up. They didn't put the envelopes in the back seat pocket. They didn't. Have, well, they didn't greet anybody in the, in the parking lot. So if they want to bad mouth, let them bad mouth. Doesn't really matter. I'm not serving them anyway. I'm doing this because I get this chance to experience Jesus firsthand. Some of y'all are scared to death to serve because it makes you a target. I, I just need to tell you, as soon as you come out of the stands, you will have a gargantuan target on your back. And if it's not some other church person, it will be a spouse. And if it's not a spouse, it will be your kids. And if it's not your kids, it will be your co-workers. And if it's not your co-workers, it will be a classmate that you haven't seen for 62 years. But all of a sudden, they will blast you on Facebook and go, I knew you when you were in high school. And now you're serving at a church like you're all holy. What difference does it make? 
I don't care what they say. Zach recognized that having Jesus in his house was worth the price that he would have to pay. And I am just telling you this morning that we can tell whether you're serving for the right reasons when the cost never really concerns you. Have you ever met some of those people, I, I've met a few in my day, that they are martyrs about serving? I can't stand that kind of folk. Like, like, like they, they're, serving, they're serving, and the whole time they're serving, they're complaining. I got, I got work. Man, come on. Why am I here? Why, can't, I don't know if I want to be an usher today. I got so much other stuff to do. I, I just, uh, it, it's, such a, it's, such a, it's such a challenge for me to get up and be here. Do you know, uh, have you ever met anybody like that? They serve, but they, the whole time they're serving, they're talking about, it cost me this, and it cost me that, and this was so hard, and this was, then I just want to ask them, Why? Why are you even doing it? Because you're apparently not doing it for Jesus. Because Zach said, look, man, Jesus is in my house. I don't care what y'all say. Jesus is in my house. And I just need to encourage some of you to get to that place where you don't really count the cost as long as you're doing it. For, you don't, you don't, listen, if you're doing it for Steve, you're going to complain about doing it for Steve. Because, listen, Steve don't always say thank you as often as Steve should say thank you. My, and my leadership team said, Amen. My boys said, amen. My wife said, I, I, I don't always stop as often as I should as your pastor and go, I'm so proud of y'all. I am. But I'm also a self-starter. So I don't need a lot of people to tell me you're doing a good job. I know when I've done a good job and when I haven't. So I'm not very conscientious of what. But so if you're serving because of me, you're going to complain. If you're going to serve because you, uh, of one of the team leaders, you're going to complain. But if you're serving... Because of Jesus. Then you'll never count the cost. I, I, I'm almost done. Y'all getting, getting tired on me. So, so this is what I know. Uh, um, it is as you serve. Listen, please. It is as you serve. That you truly see. Zacchaeus saw Jesus. Then he got called out of the stands and he saw Jesus. Some of y'all see, but you don't really see. That's deep. Some of y'all see, but you don't see. Because the only way you actually get to see is to get out of the stands and to get in the game. If you look at the text, I want you to notice, I, I, um, uh, we are not saved by works. Please don't misunderstand what I'm getting ready to say, because I know some of y'all going to, because it's safe to critique from the stands, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, he said, it's going to be on Facebook this afternoon, my pastor said, you can work your way to salvation. That's not what I'm saying. We do not work our way to salvation, but because of our salvation... We work. So then, if you look at Scripture, and I didn't write it, so don't get mad at me. But when Zach got out of the stands, Jesus said, salvation has come to his house. But we twist that too, because we forget why he said salvation came to his house. He worked. He said, listen, I'll give, I, because you're here and not because I'm out of the stands right now, I'm going to give away half of everything I got. And not only that, I'll throw the flag on myself. And if I mess up, I will penalize myself and give four times as much. And Jesus looked at him and said, salvation. He didn't work his way to salvation, but he worked because he's saved. Right? And so I just want to encounter you this morning, uh, or challenge you this morning, that, that it, you will never really experience the level of salvation. Oh, no, here you go, CC. I'm going to get tweeted on that one too. Pastor Steve talking about levels of salvation. No, come on now. Stay with me. You're mature enough. This, this series is for us, right? You're mature enough to understand that there are no levels to salvation. If you're saved, you're saved, right? But you're never more saved than when you work. 
and serve. Okay. I thought you were, okay. So, so what I'm saying this morning is simply this. I'm just going to say it real blunt and then I'm going to quit. No more tree huggers. Safe in the stands. Going to critique when you don't know the backside. No risks. Just make sure the game is good when I get here. No investments. Get out of the stands and serve. Take a risk. And if you take a risk, ta-da, you see. I know you thought you were seeing because you showed up here faithfully every week for the last 1,600 years. And you thought you were seeing. But if you didn't work and you didn't invest and you didn't serve, then you did not see. The moment you begin to serve Him... Your eyes will open and you will see. So I'm encouraging you this morning. Quit playing it safe. Exit the stinking stands. Because we're going to start talking about victories around here a lot. Like the block party. Like Heaven's Gates. Like some other things that are going to happen. We're going to get up here and say, we won. And some of you that have never served are going to go, we won. No, you didn't. If you ain't in the game. You ain't winning. And so I'm going to challenge you. In your seat this morning, there's a little card that says, Exit the Stands. I want you to pick that card up. I want you to look at it. Here in a moment, I'm going to pray. And then Danny's going to come and close us, and he's going to give you instructions on what to do with this. And hopefully our media is working by then. We'll get to see all the block party stuff too. Okay, good deal. On this little card are most of the ways... That you can serve at our church. Not all, but most. There are a few that are not, but we tried to get most of them. I want to encourage you. Some of y'all been here a long time. And you've been in the stands a long time. If you're hurt, listen, listen. If you're hurt and you're broken and you've been used, then please, please sit We've never had a problem with people walking in hurt, broken, discouraged, allowing them to sit and be restored and to be renewed. We give you permission. My question is, is how healed do you have to be? Because some of y'all got healed a long time ago. (laughs) And there comes this moment where we become Zacchaeus in the stands going, oh, I'm going to watch from afar. It doesn't work that way. We've got to serve. If we are going to be able to handle the harvest that God is going to send us our way, we have to all get in the game. So in this, on this card, there are um, a variety of ways. All we're asking you to do is if you're not currently serving, circle. Pick one of them. I don't care which one. If you can't sing, please don't select worship. If you hate kids, please don't circle kids. But if you don't know, then by all intents and listen, if you think you're a quarterback, circle it. It's not on there, but stay with the metaphor. If you think if you think you're a quarterback, circle it. We'll find out if you're a quarterback, and if you're not, we'll help you transfer to the. Uh, maybe you're a linebacker. Right? Yeah, like maybe you think you're like an NBA superstar, but we discover that you're better at like catching the ball when other people shoot and throw it back to them so they can shoot again. That's called a ball boy, by the way. (laughs) But that's okay. We will, listen, you may circle something on here and discover that you're horrible at it. That's okay. As long as you get out of the stands and serve, we're okay with that. Because we want you to see. Here's what's going to happen, just so you know. Pastor Danny will talk to you about where to put these in a second. I'm going to pray over them, and then you're going to, I'm going to give you a second to fill them out. But this is what's going to happen. When we get these cards back, and we are going to get these cards back, um, okay, just seeing if you're with me this morning. Um, we're going to divvy them out to the team leaders, and within 48 hours, they're going to call you. Call you. So don't be putting fake numbers down, because they're going to call you. All right. They're not going to bother you, but what they are going to do is say, hey, we saw that you signed up for this. This is what we want to do. We want to sign you up for your first serve. So that you will be teamed with a host, somebody on that team that knows what they're doing. And the first time... They, they'll arrange the date, the time. They'll tell you what time to be here. And you show up and they will walk you through. They will do on-the-job training. So you'll know how to get in the game. 
That's all we're asking you to do. That's all we're asking you to do. If somebody have been on the sidelines a long time, it's time to get in the game. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. Uh, first of all, let me just do this, Jesus. I thank you for a group of people that let, will let me whip up on them. These are the best folks. And they're patient with me. And I'm thankful. Father, I think that the reason we're this way is because we all really desire to grow spiritually. We want to mature. We want to become more like you. I want to grow up in you. And so I'm willing to be disciplined for that purpose. And so I'm thankful for this group of people. Father, I pray for this group that's here under the sound of my voice this morning. There are some folks here that have been like Zach. They've been up in a tree and they've been in the stands and they've been watching for a long time. And they claim victories, but they've never really experienced any for themselves. I pray this morning that as they exit the stands, as they come down and get involved... I pray that what would take place is their eyes would open and they would see. Father, if there's anyone in this house that's been serving for the wrong reasons, I pray that you would adjust our sight and our perspective and we would begin to realize that we're serving you. We're not serving a pastor. We're not serving an organization. We're not serving uh, any of our team leaders. We are serving because of you. So let our perspective be correct. But Father, for those that are not serving, I pray that all the fears of risk and all the fears of being a target and all the fears of being critiqued would diminish right now and we would see you. And when you call us by name, we would count the cost and recognize that it really doesn't cost anything if it gets me to Jesus. Father, I pray that you release a great army of volunteers out of this house today as we prepare ourselves for a great harvest over the next few months. I just pray that you would position us with servants' hearts and we would get in the game call us by name in Jesus name amen come on turn to your neighbor right now and say to win you got to get in come on jump it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry to find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online visit www.passionchurch.tv remember you can't live without passion 